Welcome to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University, exploring the relationship between education and justice and the transformative power of inclusive education. Hosted by Roosevelt University President Ali Malekzadeh. President Maybelline Kruger and I recently announced our application to integrate Robert Morris University, Illinois, into Roosevelt University. With the approval of the Higher Learning Commission, the integration will combine the strengths of two great Chicago universities just 200 steps apart. President Kruger joins us to offer her perspective on what the integration will bring to the table. Maybelline is a proud RMU alumna and first-generation college graduate. After joining the Robert Morris faculty in 1980, she rose through the ranks to become the university's first woman president. In our conversation, Maybelline and I discuss how the integration will ramp up opportunities for students, faculty, staff, and of course, the greater Chicagoland area. We also talk about the historic missions of our two universities, the importance of student support services, and the changing landscape of higher education. Enjoy the discussion. President Kruger, thank you so much for joining me today. As we have announced recently, our two universities will be integrated, which is great news for me, and I'm extremely excited about this. So let's chat today about our integration and what our mutual plans are from your perspective. So welcome. Thank you, President Ali. It is an absolute pleasure to be here and to talk with the greater Roosevelt community about our integration that we have planned. Okay. And why don't we switch to first names? I call you Maybelline. S- and sounds you call great. me Al. Al. No. <laughs> okay, Al. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, this integration brings two great universities together in the Chicagoland. And as... You and I started talking about this almost a year ago. Our thinking has evolved. And, you know, just for the benefit of our listeners, give me your perception about this integration and what it brings to the table. It's almost a matter of where to start, quite truthfully. There are so many beautiful aspects of it. And, of course, Ali, it starts, uh, as we did, with what we have in common, the inclusive missions of each of our institutions, our similarities, and yet our differences, our differences in terms of academic programming, in terms of expertise of our faculty and staff, but then always coming back to what could we create Uh, that really enhances opportunities for students, faculty, staff, the Chicago area, the greater Chicago land area. Um, Naturally listening intently to our employers because in the end it's all about what what are students going to do with the degrees that they earn from our university, from our respective universities and from our combined university and how are they going to immediately put those to work to make Chicagoland a better place. But the opportunities we will be able to create immediately for our students 
and over a long period of time by bringing together our expertise, our areas of expertise in building new programs, new extracurricular opportunities, new modalities of teaching for our students. And I want to delve a little bit into that uh, because um, we do have overlapping programs. We do. But, uh, you know, about 60% of our programs are different. So when we put yes. them together, obviously, there's significantly more choices for the students. Right. And then you talked about opportunities of new programs that we can build together exactly. for the future. Now, from what you have seen so far, what are the programs that you offer that we don't? Just give our listeners a sense of that. I would be happy to, and I will leave one out, probably. Uh, but it begins with levels of degrees. We mm -hmm. offer associate degrees for students who need an immediate path to the workplace. Sometimes that uh, associate degree may have licensure attached. Um, for example, surgical technology has a particular uh, accreditation level at that degree level, so they can immediately go to work while they're continuing to pursue a bachelor's and or master's degree after that. Um, we have several health studies undergraduate degrees. Um, that is, of course, a growing field uh, for, for higher education and uh, just an insatiable need in the Chicago area as well. Some of those programs are surgical technology, which I mentioned, nursing, uh, multi-skilled healthcare technology, to name a few. We also have a robust culinary program, uh, a graphic design program, a fitness and exercise program at both the undergraduate and graduate level. So while we do have uh, business and, and accounting, which Roosevelt University has as well, some graduate degrees that are similar, bringing those together and giving our students opportunity, opportunity for Robert Morris students to continue their education, perhaps a liberal arts field that they haven't had an opportunity to do at Robert Morris, uh, or education, which is not something something that Robert Morris has been able to offer. Um, and Roosevelt University students, uh, well, Ali, you and I were at an open student forum, one at Robert Morris and one at Roosevelt, where we heard from students. We heard a Roosevelt University student say, I love Roosevelt, but I now know I want to be a nurse, and I was really facing the decision of having exactly. to leave, and now I'm glad that I won't have to do that. And at Robert Morris, a surgical technology student who said, I really want to eventually go to med school, so I want to do my junior, senior year, get a bachelor's in perhaps chemistry. I couldn't do that at Robert Morris. So the students are saying it almost better than we are sure. as well. And you know, you mentioned culinary arts program. I am really looking forward to the quality of the desserts <laughs> at our programs increasing because of your students uh, working in culinary arts and uh, for us to see the results of that. So. Thank you for bringing that up. And I, and I would say as well that each of our programs showcasing what they do is, is just paramount to everything we do at Robert Morris, that experiential learning and showing the community what that looks like. And culinary, I often say, is the front porch of experiential learning. It's so visual, and everybody loves food. And I will tell you, all of our students are, are awesome students. Uh, culinary students are um, visible, very involved in the university, and um, yeah, they're, they're our best friends. Everybody wants to be on the assessment committee for culinary. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you know, obviously this all depends on the success of this integration. It depends 
on an amazing quality and experience yes. of your team mm. and our team working together. And as we speak, I know 34 teams and task forces right. are trying to integrate our programs. But, you know, our uh, listeners don't know who you are. Oh. So why don't we start with that story as well. Tell us who you are, <laughs> where are you from, how did you end up at RMU? Sure. And also being the first woman president of that uh, university. So wow. tell that, us who you are. That's a lot of pressure, but thank <laughs> you for that opportunity. Um, yes, so uh, I am a native Illinois uh, person, grew up in a very rural part of the state in an area where uh, the only people I knew who had um, college degrees were my teachers. They were wonderful role models. And I decided um, upon graduating high school in a class of 48 people that I would attend Robert Morris College. At the time, we trained secretaries. So that's what I did, which might tell our listeners a little bit about my age as well. Um, I went to school for a year, and I've worked full time since I was 18 and a half years old. I went back to Robert Morris after working a few years at IBM Corporation to teach shorthand and uh, pursued earning my associate, bachelor's, eventually master's, and, and um, an IT certificate after that, all while working full-time, much like many of Ro Roosevelt students do, many Robert right. Morris students do that as well. I think sometimes that makes me um, maybe a little less patient because I know it's hard, but I also know you can do it. It's doable. Right. So I, I was the first in my family to attend college, the first to graduate college. It's actually uh, the first in my family to graduate high school. Uh, many of my siblings have now followed suit. And I say that from because that's very important to me that we continue to make sure that we are offering the services that first-generation students need because I believe that whatever we do with a first-generation student in mind helps every single student. Every student is vulnerable in one way or another. So if we keep our focus around, okay, students who really aren't used to navigating in this higher ed space, who are looking to see, to find people who look like them or have something in common with them, every student needs that. Uh, so this is very important to me. Um, I have now been at Robert Morris, uh, first as a student and now as an employee. Uh, gosh, I, I, I've been employed by Robert Morris since 1980, um, and it's been a really great place to be. I don't think I was born at Yeah, you probably weren't, no. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, the reason that I've stayed is mm -hmm. because of change, because yeah. Robert Morris's legacy is listening to what employers need and then creating or refining the academic programs around that career focus for our students. So it's always been um, an area just a fun area of growth. I've always had the luxury, and this will not change uh, once I am an employee of Roosevelt University, I've always had the luxury, quite frankly, of working with people who, are, who have been extremely student-centered and who have forced me personally to maybe take a risk in my career that I, I might not have otherwise because they, they saw something in me that maybe I didn't see in myself. And that's what Roosevelt does for its students. That's what Robert Morris does for its students. I think that you mentioned this, but the fact that your personal values mm -hmm. matched with Robert Morris's legacy and missions and statement and so forth is allowed you to go up the ranks, become the president, yeah. 
and also be able to look back and make sure the same opportunities are available. And especially for first generation working adult students. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, at your university. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to integrate those values into Roosevelt's legacy as well. Thank you. I, I am also. And it starts, Ali, because because those values are already there at both of our institutions. So how can we make sure we nurture those um, that we know are important? And how can we make sure that, that we collectively um, are, are just ensuring that kind of, you know, no student is left unadvised or stu students need to know what all their options are. And together, they will, when we come together, they'll have more options than they have today. And that's what this is all about. You know, as you know, I have worked in three very large state universities yes. that you had a hard time identifying students by names. Right. And I think that's where we differentiate ourselves, both yours and ours, in terms of every student will be known by name. There every will student will be a person we care about. And I think you mentioned this as well, and I have mentioned it, that we try to surround every student with a team of experts. Yes. From peers to advisors to if their parents are available and they're younger. Uh, and, of course, our faculty to make mm -hmm. sure that one student succeeds. If she succeeds, then everything else will be okay. Right. You know, their family will be okay. That's right. Uh, the university will be okay. And that legacy of successful alumni yes. is what makes any university successful in long right. term. Education truly changes generations after the, that educated person, right? That's what it's all about. And I'm glad you brought up... Um, what happens in the classroom, but also what happens outside the classroom. Um, naturally, hiring and keeping the right faculty is key, and we both have excellent sets of faculty. Um, in addition to that, everything we do outside the classroom at Robert Morris and at Roosevelt plays an integral part as well. So the thriving, uh, the thriving extracurricular activities we each have, and we will have even more together in terms of performing arts opportunities, student clubs and organizations, um, athletics, that helps the students succeed too, because we know that an athletic coach is an extra advisor for that student. And and very quickly our students realize the coaches talk to the faculty, right? Yes. And that, that we're all looking out for his or yes. her welfare. You're listening to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University. Well, you know, let me uh, try something, because as I went through the ranks myself within the university, just like you, what really pleasantly surprised me, you know, I wasn't surprised with faculty's intellectual capital, sure. how hard they work, and how much they care about every single student. But what also surprised me as well was the incredible um, expertise of the staff of the university. We've got this ward yes. staff, all-inclusive. These are really experts mm -hmm. in their disciplines up and down the organization. When you think about it, the students spend you know, six hours per week, eight hours, ten hours per week in the classroom. Right. The rest of the time... They are uh, working with the staff of the university, with our experts, with our yes. coordinators, with our 
leaders in the rest of the university. Give me your sense of who your staff is, what they do, right. and so forth. I think expert is exactly the right term to use because we each have uh, selected our non-faculty staff and our uh, specialists to work with our students because it's what they want to do and they specialize in that area. So at Robert Morris, each student has naturally an admissions counselor when they walk in the door who helps him or her see their options and gets them to their first term. We have um, a team of academic advisors who work with 150 to 200 students, and their full-time job is academic advising. Mm -hmm. These are non-teaching folks whose responsibility it is to make sure that the student is getting the proper advice to graduate on time. And should that student have any, um, you know, any obstacles along the way, that academic advisor is often the first one who gets notified by the student and can help troubleshoot those areas of concern. If a student does have a little trouble, then the academic advisor works with the student to recreate that academic plan. So that academic advisor's responsibility is, again, helping that student get to graduation, which starts by helping them get through the first term, <laughs> the second term, the third term, over the summer, etc. cetera. Um, in addition to that, naturally, um, you know, we have a large number of athletic coaches, performing arts coaches, because we about half of our students do participate in an extracurricular activity. So they work very closely with the student, not only in their sport or their uh, art, so to speak, but also with making sure they're on track academically. So are a few of the areas that yeah. come to mind. And you know, this dawned on me how valuable the staff of a university is to functioning of the university when another state university where I was, the staff went on strike. Oh, wow, yeah. Okay. And we attempted to hold classes for about 12 days. And if the strike hadn't settled on the 13th day, we would have shut down the, the campuses. Wow, sure. Okay, that's how valuable, because we said, well, yeah, well, we can hold classes okay. and right. you know, so forth and so on. No, not, not really. Mm -hmm. And that became very clear to me how valuable the staff is. I agree. And sometimes it's, it's maybe areas that don't at first come to mind. Folks like uh, people who are working in our libraries who hear oh. a lot from the students and who are in a position to encourage them. Um, but it takes, it takes all of our faculty and staff members being extremely student-focused and listening and responding and supporting. And if that person needs help, helping them find the right path yeah. for that. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to change directions now since uh, once we integrate our two universities and yes. get approval from Higher Learning Commission uh, sometime in the spring, uh, your duties will change. Yes, they you will. You will become chief operating officer of our Schomburg campus. And, you know, tell me your ideas and what are you going to do and uh, give our listeners a sense of the, your new duties. I am so excited. Um, and I wake up every day excited to, to meet the world's challenges, but I am very excited about this. And Ali should share that I have a huge smile on my face right now for our <laughs> listeners. Um, and there, there are several reasons that my excitement level is very high to become the chief operating officer of our Schomburg campus of Roosevelt University. One is it's a very successful campus now. Um, it, several areas of programming. 
which is it's exemplary because we can build on that very quickly as opposed to starting something from scratch. Our listeners have likely been in that footprint. It's a beautiful building with a lot of possibilities. And it's a very comfortable building in terms of what Robert Morris students, faculty, and staff are accustomed to as well because we have similar student-centered ideas about, about teaching. So it's already a thriving campus. We have the opportunity to build on that because we have the physical footprint to do so, and also the expertise in terms of our collective programming. Uh, that area in the northwest suburbs continues to grow. In Schaumburg alone, I believe there are more than 15 employers who have more than 350 employees. Correct. There's so many awesome opportunities to collaborate in an even bigger way with the large employers, the small employers, the small business association. There are 10 public high schools, I believe, within five miles of that physical location, continue the work that's already been started there, but ramp it up, multiple community colleges. And it's an area, as we know, being, I think, within, what, 10 miles of O'Hare, that can be a, a bit transient as well. So lots of movement, people coming in and out. So I think those opportunities are endless. And once we are integrated and have an even more comprehensive uh, list of programs and opportunities, then we can become truly a one-stop shop for employers, for that community, um, in addition to what is already happening there. Mm -hmm. Of particular interest, immediately we'll be adding freshman students to that location, uh, which we're very excited about. Many of the specialty programs that Robert Morris um, is integrating into Roosevelt will be housed at that location uh, because that location, that geographic area not only demands those programs, but the footprint of the building is ready with just a little bit of help to serve those students very well. Just a, a couple of years ago, I had a discussion. I was meeting with president of Elgin yes. Community College, and uh, he kind of surprised me and said, you know, first that the Schaumburg campus of Roosevelt is very essential to this region, and secondly, let me show you something. So he opened his conference room, and there were about 10 to 11 people sitting around the table. And he said, these are high-level administrators in this university, including a couple of faculty. Every one of them completed their degrees at Roosevelt Schomburg campus. Wow. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to having you in that region, Thank working you. those relationships, Yes. And making sure we can continue to serve yes. that huge market that we have. Yes, continuing is, is the key word because because there's there's so much happening already, so taking it to the next level once we have um, you know our programs together at one location um, and and quite frankly, the luxury of, of being able to pool our resources to be able right. to do that. It's really exciting. Well, you know, we have talked a little bit about you and yeah. where you started. We've talked about the opportunity of integrating our two great universities and the opportunities that would have for the students, for faculty. We talked a little bit about the staff as well and what they bring to the table. Let me change the direction a little bit. And um, you and I have had a few discussions regarding the changing nature of higher ed. Absolutely. And you know, we know the landscape has changed nationally. And we know the landscape is changing in, in Illinois and in Chicagoland. Right. So give our 
listeners your views on that? Well, what, what we are doing together is truly building a model for where we think higher education should be heading. Mm-hmm. Um, naturally, as our listeners likely know, the demographics in the Midwest, you know, the number of students who will be attending our colleges and universities will continue to decrease substantially. Some studies say between 15 and 20 percent in the next 10 years. So getting ahead of that and working collaboratively collaboratively together to say, what can we do together to make sure that we no, we do not decrease what we have to offer, but we increase it and we can reach more students um, is, is what we're doing here. Adding to that, that where there is a, there remains a huge need is in that first generation student who is from Chicago, needs or wants to go to college in the Chicagoland area and will stay in the city Correct. and work in the city. Why would they look anywhere else? So so that's what we're creating here. I just read this morning something that said students who attend college in Chicago are 4.5 times more likely to stay in the state than if they're from Illinois and leave the state to go to college. So this is part of, of what our continuing uh, offering will be. Um, but again, it, it begins and ends with listening to what does the community need, you know? No, in that regard, I've had discussions uh, in Chicago and uh, other metropolitan areas about how critical it is to make sure our young graduates stay in that city. Yes. Because they form families in that city. Right. That means they need all the services that we do, all of us, on a day-to-day basis from Hairdressers, not in my case, in your case. <laughs> okay. you. uh, accounting firms, right. uh, car dealerships, all the other services will thrive. I was in another metropolitan city, and one of the business leaders was complaining to me that that middle class of new graduates are leaving that city. I okay. won't mention this city. Are leaving that city and going to the coast or coming to Chicago, and that is putting a major strain on the businesses that provide I services see. to. He said, you know, even home sales are great at the high end I see, and yes. perhaps at the very low end, but in the middle class of a mm-hmm. graduate of your college and my college who then gets married and the two, the young family, start to buy a new home and then approach the services of that mm-hmm. city those jobs were disappearing. And my response to that person was, right, but didn't you just tell me that your accounting firm has exported those jobs to another country? Yes. Uh Therefore, you're hiring fewer of our graduates. Therefore, they don't get started in this city. Then they have to leave. So it's really incumbent upon all of us to make sure those jobs stay. Business leaders, Government leaders, yes. nonprofits, and then, of course, mm-hmm. for all of us to have the alumni close by. Yes, so that the jobs stay and so that we as universities are responding to where that hockey puck is moving, so to speak. <laughs> what will the jobs be as we retain them, and, and what will yeah. they look like in making sure that we're refining our offerings? Which reminds me, you guys have hockey also. We do have gonna, hockey. That you're going to bring. You, you, you <laughs> I had, should mention that. You have yes. to mention that one. Yes, so, yes, some of the additional um, athletic opportunities that will become available. Uh, we have two men's and one women's hockey team. Uh, we have a football team, cheer and dance, 
bowling, and, and I've probably left off a few, a uh, marching yeah. band, a jazz band. In addition to, um, you know, Roosevelt also has some athletic offerings that Robert Morris does not. Golf, tennis, to name a few. Yeah, and, you know, maybe we can close on that, that, you know, as we were, you and I were talking to your students one day last yes. week, one of the students said, you know, I play hockey yes. uh, for... Robert Morris University, now I will get also a chance to play golf Yes. when we become part of Roosevelt University. Yes. So and he again, stayed after and thanked you, and every, he, he was, yeah, he was a great yeah, So kid, may, yeah. maybe you and I can work with him on our golf strokes and hockey park. <laughs> I need a lot of help, Ali. <laughs> you know, well, I'm so thrilled that you could join me today for us to have this conversation, and Really look forward to many, many more years of working together. It's been my absolute pleasure, and I look forward to those years as well. Okay. It's an exciting Thank time. Thank you, Maybelline. Thank you. And Justice for All is produced by Roosevelt University and is available at roosevelt.edu or anywhere you get your podcasts. The music for And Justice for All is written and produced by Jesse Case. Thanks for listening.